Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And Judy has booked another incredible show today. We're going to talk to you. Yeah, you. 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani or uh, Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog. Uh, They're all waiting to talk to you right now. On the show today, we're going to talk to a guy who works. He's actually an animal control officer. He works at the Vance County, North Carolina Animal Shelter. And what does he do there? Well, he does a lot of things that you would expect uh, somebody to do at the shelter, but he also plays guitar and sings to the dogs which apparently they absolutely love. And this, uh, this has gone viral online. There's a video of him playing to the uh, dogs in the shelter. I believe it's near a half a million views right now. We're going to talk to the guy in the video, the, the officer who does all the singing. Also, uh, we're going to talk dermatology because we have a dermatology expert coming on, Dr. Tom Lewis. And skin issues apparently are the number one reason people take their pets to the vet. Oh, absolutely. I think it's it, in any part of the country, um, areas that have fleas, certainly see a lot of flea-related things. And in other areas, we have a lot of allergies. So there's tons of itchy, scratchy pets that are brought in. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk itchy, scratchy pets and dermatology with Dr. Tom Lewis. Also on the show today, we're going to talk about fecal transplants. What? Ooh, fun. (laughs) You knew I'd like that one. (laughs) Yeah. That's a poop transplant uh, for those that uh, talk my language. Why would you want to transplant poop anywhere? That sounds like a joke. It sounds like a prank or something like that, but doctors are actually doing this. Yeah, it, it may be because, um, say, in, in people, there's a lot of times you can have um, resistant infections that cannot be treated with typical antibiotics, um, like a clostridial infection. So they give you um, good bacteria to try to restore your defenses because your guts are your defenses. Ah. Um, so that's the one thing. But yeah, and then there's uh, other chronic illnesses where this might be indicated as well. We'll be talking to Dr. Holly Gantz about that in just a few minutes. What do you have, Lori, for the news today? I love throwing things out, and this is the time for spring cleaning, right? Yep. So if there's some furniture in your house that you no longer need, we have a a great idea about donating it to a shelter. You mean that lazy boy that's out in front of the house with the free sign? Go grab it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's on the way. Let's go to the phones right now for your calls. Hi, Dolores. Hi. How you doing? Doing okay. How you doing? Where are you? Uh, I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina. North Fayetteville, North Carolina. I hear the Southern draw right now. It just <laughs> just got here. Well, but you know, I was calling. I got my house up for sale, and I got two cats, but they're not young. They owe 12 years in our age. But, uh, well, now I don't smell it. But Sunday and, like, the two days before when I woke, when I woke up, I smelled like a urine, you know, like that. Cats, and I know my cats don't uh, wet on my floor because I have a litter box, but it was a terrible smell. And I just want to ask you, what can I get to get that smell? Mm, Okay. So have you actually localized where the odor is coming from? Like what part of the house? Where location? Yes, in the bike. Yes, in the bike where we mostly be at, in the bike, in the den. Okay. Now, is this an area where they have litter pans in use in that area, or it's not? Yes. I got the litter box and everything. 
Okay, and it's in this room that you're having the odor problem? Uh, no, it's in like the next room, but that's like the bathroom. Okay. All right. Well, one kind of quick tip that you can do um, to figure out if you do have your, a cat urinating in the house is um, there are little black lights that we can use, and they do illuminate and show where there's urine, um, and that's one way to help you localize that. Um, if it was in the area immediately around the litter box, then I would focus our efforts on that. Um, but, you know, for me, I normally have a good sniffer. I'm a little under the weather. My sniffer's not <laughs> up to par. But I think that's the big thing is first figuring out where it is, if it's a spot that we're going to spot treat or if we're going to have to do more of a whole overhaul of the area. Yeah, but you know, like now, the odor, which I'm lighting candles, but I don't, have, I don't smell that odor like it comes and goes. Mm. Yeah, and it may depend uh, on humidity, moisture, things like that. So, um, you know, if you have access to a black light, you can always buy those online, and that will help you kind of, you can, with a dark room, you can kind of go over that and see oh, the spots oh. where that may be going. Okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, but the big thing with cat urine is it's a tough thing. If we've just got a little bit to deal with, and I usually recommend the um, enzyme-based uh uh, deodorizers that break down the odor. But in many cases with cats, um, if they're urinating uh, for a longer period of time, it can get through carpet, can get into, you know, baseboards and wood, and it can actually get I down know, to yes, the pad. I know, but uh, yeah. I just start smelling it. It comes and goes. And then I was thinking it might be from under the house, but I have a gate, you know, where the mm-hmm. dogs or the cats can go under. Yeah. And then I feel it might be coming from the vents. I don't know. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Well, you know what I might do is, that, you know, see about getting the black light to see if you can localize a urine um, location. And okay. then maybe have someone else who's not accustomed to your home come in with a, their nose and see if they share your opinion on that. Just okay. because a lot of, you know, before we talk about, you know, um, you know, completely deodorizing, tearing up carpet, things like that. We got to know for sure if that's really the problem we have at hand. And then the other question I'd have is, you know, if your cats are acting at all off, you know, if we're having any problems where they're drinking excessively, urinating a lot, losing weight, then we might say, oh gosh, maybe we do have a health problem, and yes, well, maybe they are urinating. Cat, yes, uh, but I take him to the vet vet, vet a lot because he got thyroids. And mm-hmm. I'm giving him, like, uh, medication for that. Okay, perfect. You know, but he, with his weight, the weight, he eats a lot, but he doesn't gain weight. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay, yes. you know, but uh, he's doing good in that behalf. But I know in our life he's old. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just, and I say, wow, but uh, I'm hanging on to him because I don't want to put him away because of the people, you know. I just yeah. want to, when the people do come, the house, you know, they'll be on the outside and the house smell okay. I don't want to yeah. run the people away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And if it, at all any question, you know, I'd say, you know, it depends how much cost-wise that you can get into. Replacing carpet isn't, is probably the least expensive of, you know, compared to right, tearing right. out baseboards and treating the, you know, the slab, the concrete slab. That gets to be, you know, quite pricey when you have to call in a service for that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, then. So. Okay. I appreciate, though, that what you did say. 
So I know to get a uh, black, you say a black light, right? It's a, yeah, black light. Um, and I know they market it some for um, urine finder, things like okay. that. You can, you can okay. find that online. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem, Dolores. We, we had to do the same thing. We got a little black light. They're really inexpensive to get, by the way. I think we spent less, less than, than $10 yeah. on ours. Okay. Okay. So I'll probably look for that. But like I say now, thank God I don't smell the odor because I have candles, you know, lit up. So you're just covering up the odor odor right now. But let's say the the sun comes in and gets hot on the area where the urine is, and then it starts to smell, and then the sun goes away, and then it stops smelling. It can come and go, and that was what we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it even gets into the wood below the carpet. So. I get, oh. let, let us know where it is. Will you call me back and say, I found it. I found the urine. I know where it is. Okay, I will. Okay, thank you so much, Dolores. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Toll-free 1-866. It doesn't take much to make me happy. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405. If we can help someone else with their urine problems like we had here, I feel like I've saved a life right there. You know, people put their animals down because of urine problems. Absolutely. No, it's it, um, inappropriate urination and defecation is one of the most common reasons that pets are relinquished to shelters every single day. And I would have to say, in my opinion, it's one of the more uh, common causes of a pet being put to sleep, too. Yeah, yeah. People walk into my house and I don't smell it, but people walk in and they say, you have pets, don't you? Oh, uh, I know. You, that's when you tell them, no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dorothy. Hello. What's going on with your animals? What kind of animals do you have? Well, this is um, my son's Samoy dog. She's about seven. Uh-huh. And um, she's, I declare her as part mine. And I part have yours, okay. Kids. I couldn't. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, my son had taken her into the regular place to get groomed. Well, I guess they had a new person working because they actually shaved all that beautiful white hair. Mm, okay. And I don't mean they left a half inch or something. She oh, no. <laughs> shaved. Well, this has been months ago, and it's hardly growing. Mm-hmm. Give me encouragement. It will grow mm-hmm. eventually, won't it? Well, um, so uh, with the hair coat, depending, um, there are some health reasons why a pet's hair when it will not grow well um, after it's been shaved. And there's also just what we call post-clipping alopecia. And we see this more yeah. in the Arctic breeds, the thick-coated breeds. They see it a lot in um, anything from huskies, Pomeranians, um but basically where it basically stunts the hair follicle and it can take a couple hair cycles. So it means that we don't keep shaving. If you want to see if that hair grows back, you, you may have to wait a year or more to see if we can get back to normal full hair growth. Yeah. But there are you know, definitely hormonal problems, you know, very commonly that can cause uh, slow hair growth. I've seen that in uh, pets with a low thyroid problem. Pets with really? adrenal gland disease, known as Cushing's disease. Um, uh-huh. I've even seen some diabetic pets that we have some problems with um, slow uh-huh. healing and slow hair regrowth. So, but so, yeah. it's just, I mean, I couldn't believe it when he picked her up from the groomer oh. and brought her over, and I went, oh. It's unbelievable oh. how oh. I'm talking shaved with this, you know, as close as you could get. How lucky she is to have both of you as uh, co-parents. That is great. Thank you for your call, Dorothy. Toll free at 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani right now. 
This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. For some reason, the cats, the studio cats are all over the microphones today. I don't know what that's about. Did someone put tuna fish on the microphones? <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah, figures. <laughs> There's always a practical joker in the bunch. It is Animal Radio. We are celebrating the connection with our cats, our dogs, our flamingos, our tortoises, our horses, our birds, our... Uh, Parrots. Parrots. Ferrets. Ferrets. Ferrets and parrots. Parrots, parrots. Yeah, parrots. <laughs> parrots or ferrets, yes. And uh, you can call and ask your questions of Dr. Debbie. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. If you have a grooming question, we have the dog father Joey Volani here who could. Uh, he's well groomed himself, and he can help you groom your animals, even yes. your ferrets. Never trust an ungroomed groomer. No, you shouldn't. Uh, That's right, you shouldn't. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And coming up in just a few minutes, if you're a Facebookie. If you like to peruse videos all the time like you, Julie. I, yes, I do. That's why I like Facebook. I like watching the videos. You're a video post. person. Yes, I don't post a lot of stuff myself. There's been a viral video of Mr. Chad Olds, an animal control officer in North Carolina. He has an interesting tactic to calm the animals. He picks up his guitar and he plays and he sings to the animals in the shelter. Wow. And all of this is uh, chronicled on several videos on Facebook and online. And uh, you can go check it out now. In fact, there's a link over at animalradio.pet, and you can check it out before. What he does is amazing. It is truly amazing. It's like... When you see those videos, and all of a sudden, not only because he sings well and is a pleasure to listen to, but when those animals just go quiet. Because shelters are loud places. That is... Like Amazing. all the dogs are listening, all the animals oh, are listening to enjoying it. So we're going to have him on the show in just a few minutes, right here on Animal Radio. And Lori, we're going to do a quick check of the news in about ten minutes. What do you have for us? Um, does talking to your pet in baby talk <laughs> does that work? They've they've actually done a study, and more importantly, is it helpful? I can tell you it's not so effective with cats because Diane is walking all over my studio and and on my desk today, and it's. <laughs> she doesn't care. I'm pretty sure my dog is saying, why do you, Why are you talking to me in that baby talk? Talk to me in your normal voice, Hal. Okay, which one are we going to, Judy? Let's go to line two. Line two, you're up. How are you doing, Karen? I'm lovely. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Well, hi, Karen. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Miss Debbie? I'm doing fabulous. What kind of critter questions you got today? Well, I've got a female cat about eight years old, and she's got cerebral palsy. 
Uh, okay. She's been diagnosed with it, and she's becoming more and more aggressive. She's attacking people and dogs. Hmm. Okay. Was she diagnosed with this as a very young kitten, or was this later in life? Uh, she was. I found her when her mother was walking across the front yard, and I opened the screen door to see what it was she had in her mouth, and she was only like a week old, and she just dropped her and ran away. And I noticed then that the the mother had the same thing. She didn't, okay. she didn't shake. She kind of wobbled when she walked. Okay. And, and so she'd done that since she, you got her when she was just that little thing then? Oh, yeah. She was only a week old. Okay. Her ears are still down. Oh, <laughs> and they are so adorable at that age. Yes, they are. She was real affectionate and friendly when she was younger, but as she's grown older, I'm just wondering if that palsy has anything to do with making her aggressive. Yeah, potentially. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, has her has her signs, her difficulties, has that gotten worse with time, or is it about the same from when you first had her? About the same. All right, because that's one distinction, and when we talk about things like, well, cerebral palsy is kind of a human disease, but there are some cerebellar diseases in cats, and there's there's one called cerebellar hypoplasia, which kittens can get, and it tends to be from an infection when they're babies, um, from the panleukopenia infection that their mom gets when um, they're just in utero. Um, or they can even be vaccinated during the pregnancy, and the, the kittens will acquire that disease. It's a little bit unusual that the mom had that. Um, so, you know, I guess it can't be impossible that there's something genetic here. But if we're presuming things kind of stayed the same, these type of disorders don't generally get much worse. Um, there are some brain infections that do get worse, and they're kind of more the degenerative type things uh, that go along with time. Now, those conditions, yeah, we could see some worsening of the signs, and you might get some aggression and some behavioral changes, but I would expect all the other things would tend to be getting worse. And I don't know, are you seeing that where her, is she real shaky on her, her feet? Does she fall over, that kind of thing? Oh, she's always done that. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like on a tilt-a-whirl constantly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. She, she yeah. looks real strange when she walks. She lifts her back feet up to the level of her spine, leans that way, and then puts her foot down. Uh-huh. So she's real jerky, and she kind of kicks them out almost like a horse? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would tend to think that she may have the cerebellar hypoplasia, which um, that generally won't cause behavioral problems, though. So you might want to get your kitty looked at by your veterinarian. Make sure there's not something else going on, um, because if something else comes up along the way, you know, that might explain her, her grouchiness, whether it be something she's in pain or some other kind of medical problem coming on. Um, so... If, if everything else has stayed about the same, I'm not going to want to blame her condition. Special needs as she may be, uh, you know, I'd say make sure you get her checked over and, and make sure there's nothing else going on that's causing that. Thank you so much for your call, Karen. This is Dr. Debbie on Animal Radio. Give me a call, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Doug Gray, the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets.
All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, it has long been known that talking to a baby improves bonding between a parent and child. But since so many pet parents these days view their pets as their own children, scientists were wondering Does talking to your dog, you know, in the same way that you would talk to an infant, does that have the same bonding effect? And a recent study suggests that, yes, it does. Researchers at the University of York over in the UK set out to investigate if what is called dog speak improves bonding between pets and humans, and specifically, whether or not it is useful for dogs to hear that high-pitched baby talk, as we call it. Well, after their experiments, they found that adult dogs were more likely to interact and spend time with those people that had used that dog-directed speech with dog-related content, though. They were liking those people more than they liked those who used adult-directed speech with no dog-related content. If you're confused, let me explain, because that's really important. Dog-related content is you have to talk about doggy-related things, like (laughs) you're a good dog. Asking the dog or telling him, let's go see a great movie, is not the same thing. You want to go for a walk? Do you want a treat? That is dog-related speech. Unfortunately, I have a difficult time making my voice squeaky and high, as we have practiced on this show, um, Baby Talk with Dr. Debbie. But go ahead and give it a try. This whole study suggests that adult dogs need to hear dog-relevant words that are spoken in that high-pitched emotional voice that we get when we talk to them in order for them to find it relevant. I think it's uh, amazing that they actually need content that's related to dogs. Yeah. That, that's their con- so don't be talking about Ned in the mailroom or anything like that because they're not interested in that. They want to hear specifically about treats and their food and uh, their toys and when you're going to play with them next. Is, Is that it, what you're saying? That's exactly it. But I think it's because when we talk to them about things that we know get them excited, this is my own take. I was not in on the experiments. Uh-huh. But that makes the dogs excited. We know that. I, I think we feel it. You know, there is a bond. There's, There are feelings that go back and forth between us. I could not be as excited telling, you know, Tater, do you want a treat? As I could saying, let's have a baked potato. <laughs> You know, so it doesn't do any it doesn't do any good when I tell Ladybug, "Oh, you're so cute, Ladybug. I just love you. I'm so much better than your dad. Your dad's no good. That's me. It's just me. You don't like your dad. Do you? you just like me. You just like your mommy, don't you? Where did we put that straight jacket? I think you're a wonderful mom, Judy. Uh, and that that dad, he's got to go. There's an animal shelter in Illinois that is giving its dogs and cats there the feeling of really living in a real home. Because they're furnishing their kennels with old chairs that are being donated by the public. When I say old chairs, now think of, you know, big old chairs, recliners, 
big, cushy, comfy chairs where, you, you know, you can sit sideways and hang your legs over. These are big enough where an animal can sleep the day away comfortably. The Knox County Humane Society No-Kill Shelter in Galesburg, Illinois, recently posted a video on its Facebook page of animals there lounging in these big, comfy chairs, and as you can imagine, it went viral. The director of the shelter said their chair project was inspired by a pit bull named Buster, who has a tendency to chop, to hop rather, onto any chair that's available, even if someone is sitting in it. So the shelter has since begun collecting unwanted recliners and armchairs so they can furnish all of the kennels for the dogs because having a chair in the kennel really helps to give the dogs more of a home setting while they're, you know, being forced to be at the shelter. Workers there say that it has especially helped one of their dogs named Mickey with his very high stress levels. Mickey's been in that shelter for about a year and his human furniture, they've noticed a difference since he's had it. It gives him a greater sense of security, apparently. And guess what? Since the video debuted online, they have received a ton of chair donations, and this has allowed even the cats at the shelter to lounge in luxury in the shelter's free-roaming cat room with a bunch of chairs. Finally, there is a new dog treat headed to pet store shelves soon, and though the name alone might make you not want to buy it, I am betting that dogs are going to love it. Are you ready? There is a woman in Kansas who now has a patent pending on a new treat called Mickey and Moe's Butt Flavored Dog Treats. Ooh, my dog will love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know how they, they tested that or who found the scent or if it is even scented like that to a dog or something. But I, I bet that it sells like hotcakes. It made me giggle. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, Teresa. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hey, how can I help you today? Well, my cat seems to have a problem. The back of her lower back in her tail is very flaky and scaly and she just kind of makes a mess like a dandruff cat dandruff oh yuck (laughs) is she very scratchy with that does she bother get bothered by the area she is bothered by it she scratches and bites and i'm not sure what to do about it okay and what kind of kitty is she any particular uh, pedigree short haired Um, or long hair black and white um, short hair. I don't know what they're called, the black and white. Okay, yeah, just a domestic short hair. And yeah. um, is she in healthy weight? Um, would your veterinarian yeah. say she needs to lose a few pounds? Nope, she's very healthy. She's about two years old, and she's very healthy. Other Great. than that, she's fine. Very good. And so you're calling from Montana, so does she spend mm-hmm. time outdoors, or is she mostly inside? She spends a lot of time outdoors chasing mice. Ah, well, so she's got a job in the household then. She does. <laughs> and is she an original mouser that uh, was from uh, uh, a litter outside, or did you find her from a shelter? No, she we she was given to us when she was about a half-grown kitten, but she just, um, where we live is kind of near the forest, so she loves to be outdoors. And mm-hmm. she's inside, too. She sleeps in, but she plays out all day. And uh, what's her name? I didn't catch her name. 
Same as squeakers. Squeakers. <laughs> that goes good with the mousing uh, background. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, um, for squeakers, do you have any um, challenges with her hair coat? Does she have any problems getting knots or mats or anything of that nature? No, she does fine. I have to give her a bath every once in a while, but she just, because she just is kind of flaky, and that's, okay. I don't like it, so. Well, yeah. I think I'm well, bothered by it more than she is. <laughs> well, you mentioned it was bothering her. So she's is she scratching at it or trying to excessively groom back there? Yes. She's always yes, she's, licking. She's licking her. at that area. Okay. Right. All right. Well, there's a lot of different things that we might look at, and some of the first things I'd want to really investigate with her would be um, the potential for parasites. And, you know, fleas and ticks are certainly uh, one avenue we'd want to go down and make sure we're on really good uh, flea control. So um, in your area, I know you probably have some cold uh, winter time, um, but really to pursue that year-round, because if she's going inside and outside, we want to make sure that flea control is taken care of year-round. But there's, okay. there's even one other type of parasite that we kind of think of, and particularly when we see dandruff on the kind of the rump area, um, right over where the tail is. And there's a type of mite that we actually term uh, walking dandruff. <laughs> and uh, it, it's really kind of gross when you see it on a microscope because it really looks like little pieces of dandruff walking with legs. Um, but it, it is a type of parasite that we can see, and some pets will be somewhat itchy with that, and they'll tend to be quite flaky in the rump. So to check that out, we definitely want to make sure we do something called a skin scraping um, or a tape test. Um, and that's something veterinarians do where we look under the microscope and we look for creepy crawlers and that's kind of why we get into veterinary medicine because we dig this kind of stuff but we want to make sure that that we don't have anything like that and uh, make sure that's not a possibility because if it is it's something very simple to treat with the right type of uh, flea medication and or medicated Mm -hmm. shampoo so check that part out Um, okay there are some cats that, and I was quizzing you a little bit about squeaker's weight, because for some more portly kitties, they have actually some difficulty getting to certain areas, and they don't distribute their oils on their hair coat really well. So that's where we need to step in and, and do some regular brushing, really, on a daily basis to help distribute those oils. Um, and particularly if there's mats, because there can be dry patches that are associated with those. And uh, for some cats, um, just like with dogs, you've probably heard me advocate on this show before, is fatty acids are a dietary supplement we can give to dogs and to cats as well. And it can help to keep their hair coat um, in good shape. Um, The trick is that cats don't always like us putting things into their food like fatty acids. And um, they're far more intelligent than dogs, but don't tell the dogs that. <laughs> and uh, But fatty acids could be another thing you might consider adding in to see if that helps her out as well. Okay. okay. And uh, see great. if that works out. And as long as everything else is going healthy in her life and you know, she's um, not having any signs of illness, then you know hopefully this is something kind of minor and we can get her past that with a, a little bit of extra brushing and some of those other measures. Okay. So thank you so much, Teresa. I hope that's helpful. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie right now. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly. 
the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Hi, this is Betty White. All us animal lovers love animal radio. Please help every way you can to make life better for our animals. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Did you know skin issues are the number one reason people take pets to the vet? Really? I thought it was vaccinations. We have a dermatologist on, Dr. Tom Lewis, who actually specializes in this, so he knows all about it. Hi, doctor. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Very good. So what kind of issues are we talking about? You know, the number one problem dermatologists see and general practitioners see in animals, both dogs and cats, is related to skin, primarily allergy. And the allergy will cause not only the obvious rashes and itchy skin, but we'll see it affect the ears as well. And most dogs and cats who have reoccurring ear issues are also related to the underlying allergy. Oh, okay. So that's like uh, that, what do they call that, that stinky ear that my dog gets? Uh, Cauliflower ear? No. Well, no. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh. It's escaping me, but you can smell their ears and it smells yeah, horrible. Say it smells like yeast. Yeast. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and in fact, yeast and staph both have have certainly the potential to make a lot of allergic inflamed skin worse. But traditionally or typically, the infections are like gas on the fire. It's important to deal with those infections, but it's even more important to deal with the underlying cause at the root, oh. which usually is the allergy. So uh, what can we do to reduce the incidence of uh, dermatological problems? You know, it starts with a good, a good exam. And, and one of the challenges sometimes when our patients are, are nervous or anxious or stressed out, it's hard to look at that skin. So we, we, dermatologists, we schedule extra time for the appointment. It allows us to go slow throughout the process, build trust with the patient. Um, if the patient's hiding behind the owners and struggling to get away, it's really hard to get a good look at that skin. Mm-hmm. And then from there, based on what we see physically, the clinician will come up with the, the list of, of concerns that we have and discuss with the owners um, some, of the, some of the ways to, to, treat, to treat whatever we're suspecting. I have some food that I feed my dogs and cats, this food that talks about healthy skin. Is that a marketing concept or is that something that I, I should buy <laughs> yeah, into? A little bit of both. Um, there's no question that diet is important with skin and, and certainly a poor quality food with a low percentage of fatty acids uh, is not going to treat the skin well. Having said that, um, many of the good quality brands have sufficient levels of fatty acids. We see value sometimes with prescription products when we're trying to diagnose and treat a food allergic animal. Unfortunately, many of the -the over-the-counter foods, even some of the big famous products, are not necessarily as pure as their labels claim. And with food allergy, we're worried very much about the particular individual ingredients. So in those cases, we'll use prescription products. 
Having said that, um, the, we see more value. Some of the other basic supportive care of skin, I think you'll see as much or more value with frequent baths, for example, as you will with extra fatty acid supplementation or specialty diets. We are with Dr. Tom Lewis. He is a dermatologist, specializes in dermatology, and in fact is the founder of Dermatology for Animals Clinic. And that is, where is that? Is That's in uh, all over, isn't it? Mesa and Tucson, several clinics? Yes, yeah, we have several offices, uh, primarily in the West with a few offices in the Northeast. You mentioned environmental, you mentioned food, allergies, environmental allergies, parasites. Can stress cause skin problems? I think stress, um, my experience is that stress is rarely the cause of the skin disease, but it sure can make it worse. Um, There are, you know, if we have an allergic, itchy dog who is also anxious, I I feel that that does make the, the overall sensation of that itch worse in that case. There's another disease called acrylic granuloma, which is really primarily induced by stress where a dog, especially an anxious dog, will repetitively lick an area on his leg and create sometimes some just horribly deep infected lesions, which can be really a long-term battle to resolve. You are also a fear-free veterinarian. Tell us a little bit about your fear-free experience. Does it help you do a better job at what you do? The reason, it, it so much does because, again, if our patient is struggling to get away, we just can't do a proper exam. And the owner picks up on that experience as well. And so much of what we do in dermatology really is done by the owner. There's so much home care involved with, with successfully treating a, a dog or a cat with a skin problem. So if the owner's distracted, you know, it just doesn't go as well. In that fear-free or reduced fear environment, the owner is more able to focus on the discussion we're having. We're able to do a better job of examining our patient, looking inside the ears, which again is such a, a common place for the allergy to manifest, and sometimes can just lead to significant horrible pain and discomfort for our patients. So getting all of that in a relaxed, fear-free uh, session, which is not easy, um, is something we strive to do. I so do appreciate you spending time with us today and telling us a little bit about the skin problems that our animals face. Well, it was, it was my pleasure. If you want to learn more, is there a website where your clinic is? We are dermatologyforanimals.com. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. And we, of course, encourage you to visit fearfreepets.com and fearfreehappyhomes.com. Again, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Thank you, Doc. You're very welcome. Take care now. Have a good day. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews, the only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. 
featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> oh, oh, you poor girl. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> are, you, are you under the weather today? I have been, yeah. I've been fighting a bug, you know, like a lot of us across the country. It's just lingering and lingering, and I'm just tired of supporting the Kleenex and the cold <laughs> and flu industry. I, I'm done. You know what? I got to say, you, you do burn the candle at at least three ends, if there are three ends. I do. But, you know, I do balance that with personal wellness and stress relief. So I feel I can do both and manage, you know, high-paced, busy life, active lifestyle with kind of, you know, quiet meditation, calming, and, you know, taking care of myself. But. Okay. Well, that's good. You just breathe that way, okay? <laughs> We're, we'll be breathing this way. Uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, thankfully she's on the other end of the phone. She, you can get her great advice without getting her uh, bacteria or her germs. Call right now, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. We are about 15 minutes away from Chad Olds. He is an animal control officer in Vance County, North Carolina. He's also a musician. Since he was a little young Todd, I guess he played on the road, Uh guitar and singing. He's a very good musician, I might add. He has uh, taken his musical act to the animal shelters for the dogs. Gone to the dogs. Awesome. they, They love it. They absolutely love it. His video is, is wild online, wildfire viral video. By the way, we have the video over at animalradio.pet if you want to go look at it now. We'll have Chad on in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. After your calls, of course. And after news. What do you got this hour? Talking about banning shock collars. Yay! It's happening. Yeah, entire countries are doing this. So we'll tell you the latest on it because they're designed to be a training aid or that's what they tell you they're designed for. But professionals will tell you the harm that it does to a pet, especially dogs. That seems to be who gets the brunt of it. They also say that they tend to cause more problems than they were intended to fix. So sure they would. On that. Yeah. They would with me. If, if someone put a shock collar on me, Mm-mm. I would uh, be a horrible, more horrible than I am right now. Be I'd be a rebel. Oh, I would be. This is a subject that is passionate to me because Tater was actually abused with a shock collar, truly abused, before I got him. It's good news it's, for you. It's close to my heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's on the way in just a few minutes. Let's go to the calls right now. Well, hi, Joyce. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Aurora Grande, Central Coast, California. Beautiful place, I hear. It so, is. So what's going on with your animals? Well, I, I have, uh, we had two Weimariners. Uh, they grew up together. They were just, uh, moved six months apart but some, from the same litter. And our uh, the, the one that was the alpha dog, he he had lung cancer, and uh, we had to have him put down our January 2nd. I'm sorry. And we got another, We a friend of mine had a friend who whose dog was Blue Tick Hound and a German Short Hair Pointer uh, father. Uh, they got together and they had these litter of puppies and she offered us two puppies. And we have two puppies, a little girl, a little boy. They're so darling and they play together constantly. And I thought, well, this will be good for Blue, our, our Weimaraner that was so grieving his loss of his brother. And uh, but he hates these puppies, and I don't know Aww. what to do. Uh, how to? Uh, we're trying to be uh, kind with Blue. We are allowing him the run of the house now. The puppies uh, are more confined, but Blue gets to go upstairs, downstairs, and all around the house. <laughs> but we take what we're doing is taking the three of them for walks, and 
and then giving treats to them uh, when they mind, you know, sit and come and all of that. Mm-hmm. But Blue okay. keeps his distance from the puppies, uh, and he growls when they come close to him. So uh, we're not pushing it. You know, we're not forcing him to be in their space or them mm-hmm. in his space. He, they're respecting his space. But I don't know how much we need to pamper Blue because uh, we're allowing him to have a lot more freedom and uh, privileges than ever before. He's 11 now. And okay, he's 11. And how old are the others? Uh, the others are just under three months. Oh, my goodness. So and they're like little teenagers oh, running are. around. <laughs> the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> I imagine, yeah, yeah. But, they, but they're darling, and they play together, and they have so much energy, and they're constantly on the go, playing, 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 and, you know, just uh, they they are so connected and don't like to be separated. But Blue, I thought, oh, he will eventually get to be friendly with them, but he, and maybe he's just too old to even want to play with them, you know, he, or even want them in his space. Well, um, I think you have a, a bit more of a, a, a challenge for Blue to adjust to. One is just that, you know, yes, we have a puppy, and there are um, senior pets, and then there are puppies, and they're, you know, different life stages. So some senior dogs are very accommodating and welcoming of young dogs. Then there are others that just, it's not that they necessarily hate them, it's just they don't necessarily want to be bothered by them, and they play and interact socially in a different manner, whereas the puppies are very much um, in your face, um, constant stimulation. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, asking a you know, 85-year-old grandma to watch, you know, three six-year-olds, and, you know, hey, let's, you know, take care of the kids while we're going to go out to the movies. It's just maybe not the most fun for every everyone in that age group. Um, some people might relish that time, but n- same thing with dogs. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, from my own experience, I've, I've been through some senior pets or even a, just adult dogs and then brought puppies in. And it can be um, a, an adjustment. So the first thing is to really have our expectations in line is that we're not going to make them best friends, especially because you got two little rambunctious yeah. hooligans. <laughs> so that is like a double whammy of uh, energy. So uh, a couple of things. I like what you're doing with taking them for walks together. So I would want, you know, everything for Blue to be associated with good, fun things when these pups are around. Um, so walking is great. Now, it may be wise to do a couple of things. One would be is um, before you do kind of uh, one-on-one um, social training with Blue and the pups is to wear the puppies out as much as possible. Run them, get them to play, you know, wear down their candle okay, of okay, energy. Okay. Are. I mean, they totally, they, I put them down at 5.30 in the evening, and they sleep through the night <clears throat> until 6 in the next morning. I mean, they are so exhausted because <laughs> they play, play, play all day long. Uh, Good. So they are getting plenty of exercise, and we haven't left them out to be on the whole, pro- we have 45 acres, and we don't want them wow. to be, uh, we, I want to get them chipped eventually. They're, they haven't been spayed or neutered mm-hmm. yet, which I plan to do when they're old yep. enough. 
Great. So the important thing is when you're working with, you know, this behavior introduction and the training, we want the puppies as tired as possible. So, you know, not when they're wound up and they're ready to go Mm. for 20 miles. We want them to kind of be a little worn out. So Uh this is when, and then I would take one dog at a time with Blue because Uh um, it's easier um, for a dog to read one dog's behavior patterns than to have two popping around. Um, and, uh, And then that way you can work on some positive reinforcement with Blue. So for me, food, toys, whatever um, really motivates your older dog would be the things that I would reward him for, for just having the puppy around. Now, we don't want to start a a fight over a toy or anything like that. So I personally find that treats, um, especially high-value treats, sometimes even human foods, can be a better reward. And that might be something as simple as, you know, Blue sitting by you, the puppy comes somewhere in the vicinity in the the room, and you start giving um, Blue treats. Um, and then you hopefully you can do this with someone else assisting you. And then, you know, the puppy gets a little bit closer and we give treats. But we only do this as long as you see good um, behaviors. So if you start to see snarling, you start to see behaviors where the tail's down, um, we're looking around and looking very agitated. You know, we don't want to come closer. Um, but we do want to set that distance up where, you know, he, he becomes more comfortable with just the the visual and the sight, smell, sound of the puppy without being jumped on by the puppy. You and that's that, why this can take yeah, work. Yeah, the one thing, they, they have kept their distance because he does, uh, gr- you know, a low, low growl at them and then mm-hmm. back away. They're very smart and very respectful of this big mm-hmm. dog because he's, he's big for a Weimaraner and they're not big yet. <laughs> and they know mm-hmm. this guy, this is, this is something to contend with. And so they don't jump on him at all. But good, having good. two running around, I could see where he gets a little anxious and he doesn't mm-hmm. know where they're coming from. And I think your idea about taking one at a time is, is very good. And, you know, I had um, a senior dog, and when I brought my puppy in the home, um, it was the most interesting thing that I ever heard come out of a dog. It was a hiss. It was, it, it like, sounded like a cat hissing, and it was just like, keep that damn thing away from me. <laughs> so we just kind of learned to kind of, um, oh, you know, yeah. help to supervise. I've been hearing sounds from Blue I've never heard before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's, uh, uh, he's such a good dog, and he's so mindful, and he's always been the submissive dog for his brother, his brother that passed uh, in mm-hmm. last January, and uh, so he, he is, I think I see some confidence growing in him when he sees the puppies respecting his space and backing mm-hmm. away when he growls, so... Yeah, and it's it's good that he that the pups and you are respecting that because the worst thing I've seen is when people discipline an adult dog for growling or you know something in that context because he's telling you I'm not comfortable, um, and I've seen that unfortunately where people discipline a dog for you know say a baby touches oh. them and they say hey stop that and then it, it can actually escalate to a bite situation mm-hmm. so you know he's mm-hmm. telling you he's not comfortable so um, it's Respect. good for us all to. Right. Respect that, yeah. Well, that's good. All good advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. I, I really enjoy your programs and listen to them uh, quite often, and I um, appreciate the the uh, connection here to get some guidance. I think I've been doing the right things from what, Sounds what like you're it, saying, yeah. so that makes me feel comfortable. We have... We love animals. We have horses, dogs, cats, birds, and fish here, so I'm <laughs> working it through, and I, I um, sometimes wonder... I should have, uh, I wonder what, what 
did I do? You know, uh, what was I thinking? Getting two puppies, but I figured that they they were for, they were free. They were beautiful dogs, and they were well cared for. She just wanted good homes for them. There was no charge, and so I, I that's why I got two. <laughs> they could stay together and grow up together, just like Blue and Bodie did. So that was my plan. So wonderful. Well, thank you for your call today, Joyce. Toll-free, it is 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Ladies, we have a show to do. The ladies are all looking around this picture, this passing around the studio of Chad Olds, who's a very handsome animal control officer. And ladies, I think you're just naturally attracted to guys that love animals. Of course. But he also sings, too. And you're all imagining him perhaps... Singing to my dog. <laughs> well, he sings great, but there's nothing sexier than to me than a guy who just yeah. loves pets. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Well, he'll be on in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. And ladies, don't go anywhere. Oh, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. You have to worry about that. What are you working on in the newsroom, Lori? Well, there is a crisis that is brewing within the veterinarian community throughout the country. In fact, around the world. So we'll explain what's going on there. Okay, let's take some calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey right now. Hi, Cheryl. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Um, I was actually calling on behalf of my mom. Um, She has two cats, two male cats. Um, Older, they have been neutered, but one has recently started spraying. And I thought maybe something was wrong with him. She seems to think that he's just upset that there's some construction going on around the house, and so he's doing it for attention. Okay. But I thought that maybe there's an, a problem with them. I mean, you know, he's at least six years old. They've been neutered, and, you know, he just started doing this. And did you say this is a boy cat or a girl cat? Boy. Okay, this is a boy. All righty. And do you know, the, like, the situation when he's doing this? Is he um, spraying on walls, corners, or is he going in certain areas of the home? She's never seen him done it, do it, but um, she said it's been on the wall in the living room, and he recently has started doing it in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. Oof. That's unpleasant. <laughs> and and um, has he's never had any kind of health problem as far as any kind of urinary infection, anything like that in his background? No, he's overweight. That's it. Okay. Ugh. Well, gosh, 80% of the dogs and cats in the U.S. are overweight, so that's a, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, as far as, uh, do you know, are the kitties indoors? Do they go outside at all? Indoors. Indoors. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, some of the different situations when, when we have cats that aren't used in the box that we really got to look at is we got to get basically in the mindset of the kitty and look at it from their eyes. Sometimes it, it is a um, behavioral problem. They're either marking territory, they are basically communicating with other cats in their midst. So that's a possibility. And there's, you know, there's a possibility we could be having a medical problem. Um, commonly, we see urinary infections, uh, sterile cystitis, we see stone. Um, even things like diabetes and, and kidney problems, which will cause cats to urinate excessively and they'll start to go in other areas. The one thing that you said is that if he's if he's urinating on walls or on corners, that's kind of more of like a spraying or marking behavior. So we'd really have to look at some of the behavioral things going on in the home. And, um, you know, if they're strictly inside, um, I always look or in, in the immediate environment, check the outside area, see if we have feral cats, neighborhood cats that are in the area, which might be visiting them. Uh, and they can see visually through a window. Um, in many cases, we need to really take those things into, into mind with our indoor kitties, close blinds, um, keep visual access away because it's basically a chronic frustration for indoor cats if they see those cats or smell them through the doors. So I'd uh, definitely want to look at that. Um, and the other things that we look at is the litter. Cats are just as picky about their litter as some people are their shoes. <laughs> so we need to look at the litter substrate, um, whether it's a clumping litter. Um, some cats prefer clay litter. Um, and mixing that up and trying different things. Um, the other thing is that when we look at litter pans, we want to have generally one more litter pan than per cat you do in the household. So I would look to make sure we have three litter pans somewhere within the home environment. Because um, if not, um, sometimes cats have nonverbal communication and they will um, choose to go elsewhere uh, if they cannot get to their litter pan. Um, another common problem I see with litter pans is we as humans like those little covers that go over the top of them, but cats don't always dig them. And um, it will really drive them to go elsewhere and to, to mark or to urinate el elsewhere. So um, if you have a lot of covered litter pans, take the lid off and give that a try without that. Um, and then certainly we want to make sure that, you know, we look at, um, you know, any, any potential health problems. So if, if your mom hasn't taken the kitty in for a urinalysis or a urine check, I, I would really make sure that we do that um, because we don't want to miss a medical problem um, and go down that behavior pathway um, and, and make sure that's dealt with if it's appropriate. Um, okay. And, and there are some, you know, other things. Um, has she tried any types of remedies or any kind of medications, anything along those lines? No, she thinks it's his personality. He's upset and he's doing it <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, some cats, you know, they can be difficult. They can be challenging. And I was fortunate when I had kitties, I never had to deal with this. But my heart goes out to people who have to deal with cats that spray because as much as you love your kitty, um, there's certain limits you have to have in your household. Um, so if, you know, all these other things are addressed, you know, sometimes we'll actually turn to chemical help um, or drug therapy for cats that have behavioral-related spraying. Um, and, and there's some good different options out there, um, uh, things. And, and I know the uh, clinic 
cats, we've had some experience with one of them um, with uh, Prozac or fluoxetine. Um, there's several different behavioral meds which we can consider for cats um, to try to help them in managing their anxiety and their spraying. Um, as well as some other types of natural things like pheromones, which we can use in the home to help kind of bring the anxiety down a little bit and hopefully help them cope with some of these inner cat type issues. Um, so I've given you a lot to think about there. Has that been of any value for you there? Oh, definitely. That gives me some ideas to pass on to her. I appreciate it. Okay. And then certainly, you know, make sure that we check that litter pan. Um, don't use ammonia in your litter pan or in the areas where you're cleaning. Um, so we want to make sure that, because that actually attracts urine to those areas. So um, keep that litter box clean. Let's keep our kitties happy. And uh, good luck to you, Cheryl, and to you and your mom. In today's automotive news, BMW is looking at an electrified future. The company plans on having 25 electrified vehicles with 13 electric-only vehicles in the next decade. BMW also announced that its iNext electrified SUV will be shown this summer. It will have a reported range of somewhere north of 430 miles on a single charge. BMW will have an electric Mini, which will be built in China, joining the i3 and the i8 in the marketplace. The i3 is a sole electric vehicle, while the i8 is a hybrid supercar. To see these vehicles, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Uh, A ban on so-called pet shock collars, you know, those kinds that have the little transmitters in them and the the kind of like bolts on the back where they go into the animal's skin to be shocked. Well, yeah, well, they don't go into the skin, but they're supposed to touch the skin. Yeah. So a ban on those collars is going to be enacted soon in England under plans that have just been confirmed to us by the government. The shock collars, which are used, they say, to control pets, are really controlled via a remote control uh, they've already been banned in Wales. I'm sorry, Tater's in the studio with me. He's my pit bull. Before I adopted Tater, he was actually abused with one of those shot calls. Yeah, he's speaking out that, is what he's doing. Isn't what, that strange? Yeah, well, why is it we're not doing this in the U.S.? This is all going down, by the way, with political battles that are very similar to ours here in the U.S. Only in England, it is their political party, which is called the Conservatives, who are the animal rights supporters, while the country's Tory party would rather concentrate their efforts on bringing back fox hunting, an English sport that is done on horseback chasing foxes. So, so, so wait a second. Who, in the UK... It's just the opposite of us. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. I know. knew that would baffle you because it did me. I'm like, hang on here a second. <laughs> Conservatives in England are the animal rights supporters. Um, I'm sure it's just the name that, you know, I'm sure the Conservative Party in England is very similar to our animal associated parties here. I'm not going to go. You know what? I'm going to, I'm not going down that road. (laughs) It is important to note though. I'm going to tell you that shock collars are often marketed as these quick, harmless fixes or a solution, a training aid, but animal experts say they can easily cause more problems than they fix. Santa Barbara, California is dealing with a crisis in its animal care community. Now, truthfully, this is a problem that is happening all over the country. And, and it's probably, you're maybe expecting me to say, there's a shortage of veterinarians. No, that that's not the problem. The problem is 
a very high rate of suicide among veterinarians. In fact, vets have the highest rate of suicide among all professional groups. That's four times higher than the national average. And yes, even higher than dentists. Now, what has thrust this issue into the national spotlight today is the recent suicide of two young female veterinarians in Santa Barbara, just a few months apart. Each ran their own mobile service, practicing at-home pet care to sick pets all around their area. And within months of each other, both women are gone. One late last year killed herself. I believe it was in November, the second one just last month. Mm. And their deaths have shocked everyone. Literally everyone who knew them said that neither of the women had shown any obvious signs of distress. This was all like a, a pain that was kept very neatly contained inside of them. Nobody had a clue. But multiple studies in recent years have revealed really disproportionately high rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide among veterinarians in the U.S. And then a Center for Disease Control survey of 10,000 practicing veterinarians showed that they displayed signs of serious mental illness and feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness at two to three times as often as the rest of the you know general population. Similar statistics have also been reported for veterinarians in Great Britain and Australia. Now, here are some of the reasons that experts consider to be contributing factors. Like their human doctor counterparts, vets graduate from medical school with really heavy student debt, but throughout their careers, even the best vets will probably only earn about half of what human physicians make. Now, you add that student debt to their mortgage, living expenses, and van payments is happening a lot now because so many of them are mobile. Add that to the financial burden, it's just overwhelming. And, of course, performing daily euthanasia, consider that. Vets are trained to think of euthanasia as a solution when it is best to do it. So while I was researching this story, I found it very interesting, if not horrific, that many veterinarians talked about pressure from clients to perform services at no charge. Some um, clients who are cash-strapped will say, if you love the animals, you do it for free. And yes, that really Mm -hmm. happens. Can you imagine the guilt that would inflict? But what is interesting is having been a nurse, I have never ever heard of or witnessed a case where a patient or family member will say that to a human doctor. You know, I'm not going to say that, you know, client comments are a cause of veterinary suicide, but I definitely think that um, those kind of hurtful things can make a difficult day for a healthcare professional even harder. Um, but we do. Actually, every day I can tell you, I hear comments that, you know, um, a veterinarian should do something at no charge because we just love animals and that's why we're supposed to be in this field. Um, or that, how can you let um, my, piece, my pet die? Um, you know, it's your responsibility to save animal life. And it, it really can become very weighing on, um, on your emotions. 
Um, but I do feel that, you know, there are other factors. There's a lot of people who are very compassionate and want to help. So are those people being drawn to the veterinary field and that maybe already right. have yeah. um, an yeah. underlying mm-hmm. tendency for um, depression? Yeah, see, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking mm-hmm. people that help animals generally are more passionate. They feel more emotions, at least from what I see in my superficial. They're also well, more perfectionist, Hal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. type A personalities. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So I think all of it, I mean, it's a great discussion to have. But I think the important thing is to know that, you know, this is out there. And um, um, the important thing is to, if you know somebody who is struggling with a depression or mood disorders, to really have a conversation and talk to them. Um, don't assume that, you know, it's going to get better or that it's not that bad. Um, we we yeah, lost a veterinarian in I, our area um, just last year. Um, young guy, um, you know, uh, um, you know, at the start of his career, and it was really very sad for the whole community. Yeah, that's too bad. So it, it can be very frustrating, um, but I'm not looking for a downer here. And you know, I know I think this is a horrible story because it's such a geographical location. Um, but uh, you know, I do think it's you know. You know, always nice to be nice to people, no matter what kind of uh, yes. profession they work in. And, and maybe that's just what we kind of need to look at is that, you know, how our own actions kind of snowball. I, I was once at a checkout in a Walgreens and this lady was talking loudly on the phone and annoying some lady in front of her. And this, the lady in front yelled at her and told her how rude she was and blah, 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 blah. And th- she hung up and said, I'm sorry, my best friend just died and I'm just trying to deal with some details and just, so quiet and you just never realize how someone else's actions can really have an effect on you and I I just feel so bad in that situation so be kind (laughs) I'm Lori Brooks you can get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com this has been an animal radio news update get more at animalradio.com Hello Animal Radians, it's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, the top household pet poisons found in most homes. March puts a spotlight on national pet poison prevention. Every year we hear stories about the unintentional and devastating consequences of what many consider to be normal household items. So take a minute or three today to identify these items, and if they're in your home, make sure they're out of the reach of your beloved pets. Let's start with human and pet medications. It's a tragic truth that each year there are numerous horror stories about dogs, cats, ferrets, and other quick and curious pets getting into serious health situations by ingesting human and pet medications that are not meant for them. Keep any and all medications out of the reach of your two-legged and four-legged children. Your pets can't read those tiny little labels on the bottles, so they don't know the kind of danger that they're getting themselves into. Next up is household cleaners. Just because it says all natural or green doesn't mean that it's safe for your pets. If you're looking at the label for guidance, then you need to make sure that it says pet safe. There's a big difference between natural and environmentally safe and being pet safe. Your dogs, cats, birds, heck, any pet that can encounter the areas that you're cleaning can get those chemicals on their feet or other parts of their body. And when they're self-grooming, they can ingest these chemicals, which can severely harm them. Rodenticides and pesticides can also present a major danger if ingested or if an intended victim is then chewed on or ingested by your pet. Also, be very vigilant of where you use traps and try to place them where a pet can't reach them 
and or out of their regular areas of existence. Again, sprays and chemicals that may be used should state that they are pet safe or they shouldn't be used around your pets. One more very common pet poison potential is from foods and alcohol that they can get easy access to. Alcohol is universally dangerous for our pets. They don't know what it is, and the unique smells may make it all that much more enticing to them. The same holds true for foods. Things like onions, candy, gum, grapes, and raisins can all have severe consequences for your pets. And remember that we have an obesity epidemic, and pet diabetes is also on the rise. So even foods that may ordinarily be safe can present a danger to a pet who is obese or diabetic. The bottom line is make sure that there aren't any leftovers where your curious pet can get into them. And remember, our pets trust us implicitly, and they're prone to want to explore our worlds and do what we're doing. So if you're eating it or drinking it, they assume that they can too. Until we develop a pet poison warning system that pets can understand, it's our responsibility to remove and reduce the household risks to our beloved friends. Share your ideas on how to remove and reduce household risks on our Animal Radio Facebook page. In today's automotive news, BMW are taking some big risks with their new M5. This is the ultimate driving machine and now comes with 600 horsepower. It's no slouch on the track as I drove it around Thermal Raceway in Palm Springs. The bad news for enthusiasts is that in this generation of the M5, there will be no manual transmission. It's what we like to call in the industry a sleeper. It looks fairly passive, but get it on the track and it's incredibly aggressive. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. It is Animal Radio, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And if you walk into a Vance County Animal Shelter, you might hear this. He starts to whisper as he crosses the street Seems embarrassed to be there Think twice It's not taking you being paradox Oh These animals inside this shelter are getting their very own personal concert Courtesy of Chad Olds He's a worker there Also a singer who used to be on the road uh, probably a lot, and now is working at the shelter and accidentally discovered something very special about his musical talents and the dogs. We welcome him to the show. Hi, Chad. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you're a musician by trade? You used to do that? Is that correct? I did. I did. My uh, my father had polio. My brother and I uh, didn't learn sports early on. He he couldn't walk, so he taught us music, and been a part of my life ever since, so... Uh, hit the road when I was around 15 and stayed out there for many, many years. Opened for a lot of big bands and uh, played the Ryman Auditorium, so it was fun for many years. Wow. And so now you volunteer over at the uh, Vance County, North Carolina Animal Shelter. Is that right? Where is Vance County? Uh, Vance County is in Henderson. Actually, I'm an officer there. I'm an animal control officer, so uh, part of my day is coming in, taking care of the animals in the morning time, and... uh, uh, then I go out and do calls, cruelty investigations and, uh, you know, stray dogs, all, all that sort of stuff, setting traps. And, and then I come back in the evening, medicate and feed the animals and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with them. So what do you do? Now tell us, you, you walk into the shelters where there are, I imagine, just dogs barking left and right, and you bring your guitar in, and what happens? 
Well, it's funny because uh, it kind of happened on accident. You know, I was just playing around during my lunch break, and my lieutenant uh, chief was like, uh, you know, wonder what happened if we sang to the dogs. I was like, let's try it. So we did it that morning, and it was amazing. They just stopped barking, and everybody just started listening. So that afternoon, we decided to film it. And, uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to work. I was skeptical because it was almost feeding time, and they're normally really loud at that time. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, it, it was the same reaction. So, uh, you know, since then, I've been spending many of my hours off, you know, off the clock up there just practicing. <laughs> it's funny now that the animals have gotten so used to it that uh, a lot of them just sleep through it. You know, I probably sing to them, you know, 20 hours a week on my own time. And uh, I think it really helps them. It relaxes them. And the longer we can keep them up there and keep them healthy, you know, the better chance they have to find a home, and that's that's what we're after. Wow. And, and the other thing I would imagine is that you have viral videos of you playing within the shelter, and I'm sure that uh, encourages oh, so people positive. to come in. Yeah, it's been so, so positive. I mean, I think the first Saturday after, uh, you know, all the news stories broke about it, we had uh, seven adult dogs adopted in four hours, which was amazing. Uh, you know, puppies and things like that aren't really uh, hard to get you know, get out the door, but the adult dogs are, but we had seven on the first day. And, and since then we've had people volunteer come all the way from Raleigh to come down and volunteer. Our numbers are up. We're seeing comments of shelters all over the place. who are trying this. And, uh, you know, we, uh, there, I think there was one in Atlanta the other day, a young lady who actually started singing and she made the news down there. And I just thought it was wonderful that if we can get people to change their view on shelters, a lot of people have a bad image of it and don't even want to come in, you know. They're very lucky to have you singing. If I went into the shelter and I sang in my local shelter, I, that <laughs> would actually would get, yeah. They would howl. They'd be in the corners covering their ears. Yeah. Well, but, what, what I would like to tell people is that, you know, I didn't want this to be about me. I'm glad that I could have been a voice for them and get the, you know, attention to the animals that they needed. But, you know, a lot of people are saying you're doing such a wonderful thing, and I appreciate it. But if you just come out and walk a dog, just volunteer your time, that's just as wonderful to them. So if we can get people to just even come help out, uh, we appreciate it. And your local shelter and dogs will appreciate it, too. You know what's cool is when you... I love men who love dogs like that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Lori, just before you came on, she was oogling over your picture and listening to the video, which is available over at Facebook. I love that song. We'll we'll put links at animalradio.pet. If you haven't seen the video yet, you should check it out. If you work at a shelter, you should think about adopting this particular process to uh, not only bring attention to the shelter, but calming all the dogs down. If you have someone that's a good musician there, think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we actually have school kids that come in uh, on little field trips and, uh, you know, like uh, elementary school kids. And, and the whole class that come in, the teachers will let them read books in front of the cages. And it's actually almost the same reaction. So the dogs enjoy it. You know, it's just a little bit of time. you got to imagine they're in a small little cage. Uh, for the most part of their day, and, the, and, and, you know, we just don't have the manpower staff to actually walk every one of them every day as we're running calls, too. So anytime you can come down and volunteer or do something, we'll keep their mind sane and, and give them a better chance to find a permanent home. Well, I salute you, yeah. mostly because when people think animal control officer, they actually probably yeah. don't get a positive image. They think, oh, the dog catcher <laughs> yeah, is what, they, that pole. what they think, yeah. but not the yeah. case. And I'm pointing to you. You are definitely above and beyond any kind of uh, terminology of a dog catcher. You are. Well, thank you. Well, I'm hoping we can change that, you know, across the nation and worldwide. If we can get people looking at it different and actually coming in and seeing and getting hands-on and, and get involved and know what it's all about, then you'll see that it's uh, not as bad as what you think, and we can actually all do a lot of good. 
We appreciate you coming on the show today. Please be oh, well. So and we keep having me. We look forward to more videos. You go ahead have it yes. next month. Okay. Good. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Take, Take care. care. Chad Olds, and uh, he is in Vance County, North Carolina, doing good for the animals. Plus, he's a good singer. Did you hear that song? Wow. Yeah, that was pretty he's good. nice guy. Yeah. Wow. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here, and this is especially good news for Dr. Debbie, who you really need to go take a nap and some chicken soup. I do. Um, I'm really looking forward to actually some uh, chili, though. I don't know. A little something more hearty. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kick that out of there. Yeah, make it real spicy. Uh, hopefully, you'll be better by next week. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. And Dr. Debbie, I'll go get your chicken soup because I'm going to run over to that pet food store and get some of those new Mickey and Moe's butt-flavored dog treats. This is Animal Radio Network.